Hi, this is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast, and I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. Right here in this moment, we may not. I'm here with my colleague and budding friend, hopefully, because I think she's so cool, Dr. Hilary Mead. Hi. Hello. <laughs> she's a clinical psychologist at Seattle Children's. She teaches and helps support teens primarily and children and their parents on understanding how to use mindfulness in times in their lives of suffering and illness and probably times where actually things are going okay in some ways. She's here today to help us learn more about um, using and teaching mindfulness to our kids. Mm-hmm. That's right. She... Um, <laughs> she she does crazy things that we learned in the last podcast, which I think you should listen to, um, where she does dance parties and like wrestling parties as part of being mindful with a five-year-old in her house. She has a cat that two other families have kicked out of their home that she's brought in that she describes as curious. She's very open. And um, I think she's really good at teaching mindfulness. And I have to say that the last podcast, if you didn't listen to it, it's like half Wendy Sue therapy. So it's like <laughs> I'm benefiting wildly from this experience. Um, no, thank you so much, Dr. Mead. Okay, so can I, I'm going to outline the five tips. These are Dr. Mead's tips on, on teaching mindfulness. She says there are five ways, and we'll dive into this, but number one, make it fun. Number two, make it practical. Number three, make it routine. Number four, make it yours. That sounds like Oprah. Number five, <laughs> make it this moment. That also sounds like Oprah. But, but I, lo I love Oprah. But okay, so let's let's break it down. So make it fun. What does that What does that mean? Why, why does mindfulness need to be fun? Well, because you're talking about children. Yeah, true. <laughs> they really like to have fun. Yeah, right. Um, and it turns out that adults also enjoy doing it. And if, if yeah. it's fun, you're more likely to keep doing it. And that's why we do dance parties at the house. And I think about that as mindfulness, but I'm not explicitly teaching. You're not saying it's time to be mindful now. Right. right. Or I yeah. do yoga and the five-year-old might join me right. and be excited to tell me, oh, I'm doing downward dog now. And then he wanders off when he's done with it. So yeah. if it's fun, I let him join in and then he wanders off. Yep. Yeah. So what are, so dance parties, um, play a game. Uh-huh. And how am I mindful playing a game? Well, you're you're throwing yourself in and playing the game, and, and I'm not doing other things. That's right. One yeah. mindful, doing just this right now with with my son or right. with a child that way. Yep. Right. Um, you know, I think the m making it fun or like not. I, I, what I hear in some ways, what you're saying is it's not an it's not obligatory, right? There's so much, so many parts of our lives while raising children that are obligatory. It's like we got to do this, we got to do that. So mindfulness isn't supposed to be like, okay, wait, my kid's stressed. I got to make sure I do mindfulness today and checking it off, right? It's kind of taking any moment. That's right. Driving around in the car, walking down the street. I mean, we've talked about mindful walking. Describe mm -hmm. how you could help a child on a really rushed day do mindful walking to have mindfulness be a part of their day. That's fun. So you could do, you know, the I spy game as yeah. you're walking down the street. You could take turns saying what you're noticing, what you're observing. Yeah down the street. So that's a game a lot of people know. And that is mindfulness. Okay, I notice the trees and I'm noticing the, the leaves. And then the kid says, okay, I'm noticing, um, I noticed that car that just drove by. And you, know, you take turns in that way. There's and, more advanced ways you could do it, but yeah, that's but really... but that's mindful, right? Because you're just, you're not talking about something that happened before. You're not talking about the future. You're not talking about a list or to-dos, right? <laughs> you're really just observing, I guess, the environment in which you live. Right. You're not talking about what they're nervous about that's going to happen next at school, uh -huh. right? So yeah. if you can anchor them into the present moment, that 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 
that speech they have to give later. They're not doing that right now. They don't have to worry about that right now. Uh, they're listening for the cardinal or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 I love that. Okay. So make it fun. So make it practical. What are some tips for mindfulness, practical tips around that? Oh, um, with this one, it's like, uh, know what you're, you're doing when you're doing it. For example, putting away your cell phone, not having cell phones at, at, at dinner. That's a very practical way to make sure that you're actually present. At, yeah. At Our dinner. sons police that. Like, I mean, if I even go to grab something, put something <laughs> up on Wiki, they're like, uh, no cell phones at dinner. Right. Mm-hmm. The device free dinner for, campaign from Common Sense Media, too. I love. Mm-hmm. OK. And then I love the thing that you wrote down for me of don't do two things at once. Yeah, Explain that, that. That's called one mindfulness. So we actually know that we're more we're more efficient when we do one thing at a time. We have this tendency to multitask and we think that we're more efficient. Like, I mean, there's a global in our country, we believe that doing two things at once is more efficient. And we actually have research to support that that's actually not true. If you focus on one thing at a time, you're going to actually be more careful. You're going to actually have spend less time on it if you do one thing at a time. Yeah, makes so much sense. I mean, this thing on like a busy mom, like people are always like, oh, you're such a good multitasker. It's like, no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I just bounce from one thing to mm-hmm. another, hopefully mm-hmm. efficiently, but I certainly don't always feel that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do, you know, don't do two things at once. Compartmentalize, right? Putting stuff away so you can just do one thing. That's right. It's right, almost the same. So making it practical in that way. Are there other ways that families can have mindfulness in practical ways? Like I'm just trying to think on... You know, um, we spend a lot of time shuttling our kids. What's another way in the car that we could have mindfulness be a part of it? I mean, we could definitely make sure the phone's off, which would benefit us on all sorts of levels from Mm -hmm. a safety standpoint. But what else is it? Is there another way you can think of? Um, Is it doing a body scan? Is it, I mean, what what can we do in the car? Gosh, in the car, I probably wouldn't. Right, no, you said that. a body scan if you're driving. Yeah. I would just make sure that first you're doing one thing at a time, which is driving. driving. Right. And what could your child do in the back seat? Oh, gosh, they could do so many things. If there's a sibling, they could talk to them. They could play a game. Um, mm-hmm. They could they could read if that doesn't make them car sick. Yeah. Um, they could. You're, you're talking about mindfulness is just active engaging in something intentionally almost. Yeah. 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 Fully throwing yourself in. I mean, again, the, the I spy game if you're in the car. I mean, that's, a, that's an example of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, next one. Make it routine. Talk about... Talk about talk about that. What does making mindfulness routine mean? And like, what are examples of how families can do that? Um, ritualizing it. Yeah. So I said in the last podcast, I think that um, we say what we're thankful for at dinner. Yeah. Um, we you can and do practicing the- gratitude is a mindfulness strategy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like there are all those journals out there that you can do, kind of you know, like Gretchen Rubin, who studies. Do you know her? She's kind mm-hmm. of in the lay press. She studies or not studies. She she per- does a lot of work on on gratitude and happiness, but she has like a Mm -hmm. journal where I have one that sits by my bed that's five consecutive years and on whatever day of the year it is, you just go and write one sentence that you're grateful for that day. And Mm -hmm. then you can look back at the years Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. over time. So Mm -hmm. I've only had it a little over a year, but Mm -hmm. I can look back sometimes and there'll be a day where, oh, yep, on, uh, you know, August 8th, I did two years in a row where I can see what I was grateful for. So that practice of just taking the time. Mm -hmm. And you could definitely do that with a, with a child too, you know, and it doesn't have to be, it could be at, at bedtime, you know, what's one thing that you're that you're grateful for, one thing that you're um, feeling right now. And so if you anchor it along with the other routines that are already in place, you're not adding on another thing to the to-do list. Yeah, I love that. So gratitude's an easy way to make it routine. Yeah. Of ritualizing mm-hmm. gratitude every day for, for mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And then your next tip is make it yours. What does that mean? That means um, 
find something that's fun for you to do as a parent, as a parent in terms of mindfulness, which, which of these things, you know, mindful walking or yoga or the mindful eating, um, in what way could it be helpful for you in your life so that you're learning? And then because modeling is really such a powerful form of teaching. Of course. It's also so, I always just, in this parenting space, I'm always like, oh, God. Like trying to be, master things for ourselves, be perfect, and then teach our kids. It's like all so heavy. But at the same time, figuring out what makes you really genuinely mindful and happy Mm -hmm. or present, right, Mm -hmm. is obviously a way to help your child explore it. And they may not want to do it the way you do it. Exactly. But if you keep exploring that there's mindful eating, there's mindful walking, there's sitting, there's Mm -hmm. meditation, there's silence, there's... Mm -hmm dance party, there's wrestling parties, all these ways to just say, like, I'm alive in this moment listening to this sound or feeling my feet or feeling my, you know, in the meditations that I've listened to, the guidance is often like feeling the weight of your body and the pull of gravity in your chair. Hmm. That is so powerful to me. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll be in a meeting sometimes that's really stressful and I'll just think like, oh, I can feel the earth pulling my body onto this chair. And it brings me back to a totally different place. Mm-hmm. And kids can do that. I, yeah, I, absolutely. I love the Academy's you know, guideline that you directed me to that was published in 2016 of just kids are really capable of self-care. Mm-hmm. And they are. They mm-hmm. learn how to self-regulate really early in their mm-hmm. life. That's what they're doing in their tantruming and figuring that out. Mm-hmm. But they're really capable, too, of nurturing mm-hmm. mindfulness, which I like that you do. Okay. Um, so making it yours. Um, and then so lastly, number five, make it this moment. I like that tip that you you drafted. So what does that mean? That means that every moment is an opportunity to be mindful. So you're listening to this podcast right now. And can you fully listen to this podcast? If you're um, walking, can you fully be in the moment of walking and noticing your thoughts and moving it back? If you're so it's just meaning that any moment of your life, you can be anchored in the present moment, just like you're describing with that you're in the meeting and maybe you're noticing you don't really want to be in the meeting. And mm-hmm. yet here you are accepting that you're in the meeting. What's a way that you can be more fully present to that moment? And the weight of your body is a great anchor point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so let's close off. Um, how about we do a minute or two of a guided mindfulness that we could use if our kid's in the car or if our kid's going to be in the car in a half hour, we could replay this. What is a guided kind of meditation or mindfulness moment that you could help us with since you're so good at it. Help us close out this podcast with just having some time to practice it and feel it. Okay. So put your hands on your belly, actually one hand on your belly and one on your chest. And you don't have to change anything about your breath. Just want you to move your attention to your breath. Notice the rise and the fall of your belly. And now observe your hand touching your chest and observe how your chest rises and falls. And if you're thinking, oh, it's not rising and falling, that's okay. That's just a thought and just move back to trying to notice. And now notice the breath moving between your nostrils out and in at the pace that it goes. And now you can say thank you to yourself 
for giving yourself that moment and know you can return to your breath at any moment because it's always there for you. Thanks. <laughs> so nice. That was so quick. And yet, it, um, it's so different than the moments where you're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Dr. Mead, this was great. We're going to make it fun, practical, routine, and ours in these moments. So those five tips that you've drafted for us in teaching mindfulness to our kids. Thank you so much for joining. <laughs> Dr. Mead is a um, clinical psychologist at Seattle Children. She has her PhD in clinical psychology, and she studied specifically helping teens and children learn techniques around mindfulness, mindfulness-based stress reduction, and she works in a clinical environment to do that. But she is going to return to the podcast, and we will release some podcasts guiding maybe through some imagery and some mindfulness techniques that you can have your kid join you for, maybe in the car or on a walk or in the living room, and we'll just get the benefit of Dr. Mead's profound skills at helping us learn how to do this. In addition, on Seattle Mama Doc blog, I will include links of apps and resources online that you can click around and look at. There's some apps, one called Zen Friend that you can download for free and trial, one called Insight Meditation that can guide you and give little timestamps that Dr. Mead has shown me. And there are all sorts of others online. A book you can look at, Everyday Blessings, The Inner Work of Mindful Parenting by um, Drs. John Kabat-Zinn and his, his partner. What is her name? Her first name? I can't remember. I don't know. I hate that. I don't know that. I'm sorry, world. And, and the uh, Kevin's hands. Um, a website called mindfulnessforteens.com. And then another that I looked at quickly um, that helps guide um, imagery or what's called guided imagery you can learn a little bit more about called healthjourneys.com. The reality is parenting is a high stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at seattlemamadoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 